0: Howdy y'all Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast I'm Ben Fields This is my podcast I'm glad you're here Thanks for hanging with us A quick update The cat under the shed I have not seen not been around. So this saga was short. We thought we were going to have a pet cat here in the shop. I know a lot of you guys were hoping that would happen as well. As far as we can see, the cat has not returned and probably never will be back. But if he is, old JT, if old Timberlake comes back, we'll let you guys know. All right. Today's show, I got to speak with one of my old buddies, Mac Comer. Mac is a singer-songwriter, and he has a new album out. Sunny Days is out on Spotify. It's a wonderful album. We gave it a listen. It's very good. It uh, has a little bit of Appalachia in there, with all of Mac's positive vibes wrapped into it. It's a great album. Great listen. Check it out. So, Mac is uh, Mac's the former dean of fun at Knox County Schools. You'll hear us talk about that, but he was ultimately the coolest elementary school teacher in America for a while, unanimously, well, maybe not in America, but everybody in Knox County thought he was the coolest teacher ever teaching elementary school kids. And uh, honestly, as you'll hear in our uh, chat, Mac is just one of the kindest humans with some of the best intentions uh, of anyone that I think you'll ever meet. Uh, Sunny days is Mac's first album in 10 years. uh, And, It's, as I said, available on Spotify, and Mac also played a song from that album for us in the shop. It's called Rainbows, and that's going to play us out at the end of the episode. Mac is hosting his album release party for Sunny Days on Friday, December 2nd from 6 to 7 p.m. at the Knoxville Visitor Center in downtown Knoxville, and that also happens to back right up to... The Knoxville Christmas Parade, which is also on Gay Street. So you could make a whole evening out of it. Go see Mac's album release. And then go see the Christmas Parade on Gay Street. I want to thank all of the patrons who support this podcast on Patreon. Patreon.com slash South of Scruffy. I love you guys and thank you so much. That community makes it possible for us to do this podcast. And uh, without further ado, let's get into my chat with Mac Comer.
1: We're doing the podcast.
0: Feeling good. Let me crack this uh, ice cold Lacroix. La man, getting wild. I know. <sighs> How is it? Oh man, it's cold and chilly. I'm still on coffee. I'm still on coffee myself.
2: Yeah, I, I had a, I had two cups of coffee already today. So you're ahead of me. I'm amped up. I woke up early today. I, I beat the kids.
0: What do you mean? You beat them?
2: I I mean, I beat them waking up. That's what I meant to say.
0: <laughs> this recording, it is now. Oh no!
2: Well, I beat them waking up. I beat the clock. That is.
0: It's everything's a competition at the uh, at the Comer household. Pretty much. Um, my alarm
2: clock, and I don't know if this works for you too, but my kids are my alarm clock yeah, for sure. So it's kind of like a blessing and a curse at the same time. So basically. I don't have to set my alarm because I know that my kids who are supposed to not wake up till 630 are going to always wake up at like 615 if we're really lucky, you know, 515. Um, But
0: yeah, but daylight savings messed it all up. Right. So now so now uh, you're getting up earlier than them. They don't know what time it is. Now, I heard they were going to change that. I heard that's going away. It's it's, good. It's held up in uh, it's held up in in uh, in the house or something like that.
2: Well, whatever house it is, they need to go ahead and uh, pass that along because yeah.
0: So, which one do you stick to though? Do you stick to daylight savings time or do you stick to standard time? I guess uh, because whichever all-
2: one's more convenient for us at the time. I don't know. <laughs> whatever, whatever time of year it is, they pass this thing along. They just need to say, okay,
0: this is it. So if if they do that, then you know we're on the we're on the west side of the Eastern time zone, and so. There would be days, if they stuck to daylight savings time, uh, there would be days where it did not get daylight to where sunrise was not until nine, 9 a.m. Which is kind of crazy to think about, right?
2: That is crazy.
0: But it wouldn't get dark at six p- six p.m. or five forty-five in in the winter either. It would get dark at you know six forty-five or seven. So y you, know, you, you, you gotta there ain't no such thing as a free lunch you gotta pay for it somewhere somebody's paying for it somebody's gotta pay for it
2: i think if if i don't know i mean if it were uh not getting light until nine a m or even eight a m um but we could have some more daylight time I feel like I would be willing to sacrifice that you know yeah. i i i hear the uh the one argument I've always heard is. The poor kid at the bus stop, they need the light so people can see them. Yeah. Now, I I understand daylight saving time is much deeper than that. It's not based around (laughs) the kid at the bus stop, obviously. It's farming,
0: I believe. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, so I think farming came first, and then the kid at the bus (laughs) stop came next. Um, But other than that, I really don't understand. I, I don't think there's... I don't know. Let it let it be dark. That way, the people that don't have to wake up and don't have kids. Hey, I'm looking out for them too, right? Uh, they can sleep in till eight thirty, like a like a wild person.
0: Yeah, I think I think you know we're just too we're too close to the uh, we're too close to the time zone split to where it it affects us. Like Nashville gets dark at four forty five in the in the winter time. That's yeah. crazy. Go to I, work in the dark. Come home in the dark. Sad. Sad. Sad, sad man. Well, dude, your let's see, your new album "Sunny Day" has non-sad, non-sad connotations. Seems like all your music has always been exciting, uh, or or exciting to the emotions. Seems like it's always been positive stuff.
2: I try to be positive, man. Um, That's that's uh, what what I try to do. Like, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of sadness in this world, so you you got to leave it up to. You know, some folks that just wanna go out there and put a smile on people's faces and, you know, make something make something out of this world. Um I think that when I'm writing my music, that's sort of what I wanna I wanna be portrayed as the happy guy and you know, that's that's my mission. So Sunny Day when you know, the song Sunny Day uh is a very cheerful song. Um but also when I was thinking about this album. And what I wanted to c- call it, I don't know. I mean, who does not like a sunny day unless it's like your 100th consecutive sunny day in a row? Maybe you'd want some rain, but um, there's nothing wrong with a sunny day, right? I mean, it's just, it's the, I don't know, it's the best thing I could think of. So, uh,
0: yeah. It's the first album you've released in a while, right? It's been 10 years, man.
2: 10 years since 2012.
0: Well, life happened to you, you know?
2: Yeah. That's, uh, that's an understatement. Like, uh, yeah, life, life has, uh, it, it came in. I started doing like real adult stuff and not, not to say I wasn't doing adult stuff before, but, um, you know, like, let's see, 2012, I was, uh, living, I was still living here in Knoxville. This is prior to me moving away. And it's like, I, I moved to Colorado for about four years or so. And, um, after I, I did that, I was, you know, I got married, I bought my first house, so I had my first child, moved back to Knoxville, had another child. <laughs> um yeah, so things were things were busy. It wasn't like uh I ever stopped playing music. It was just like I was learning new skills, like trying to be a, a parent or, you know, trying to mow the grass and stuff like that too. You know, lots of lots of cool <laughs> things. Lots of cool things uh juggling at the same time.
0: Well, I remember when you're, I don't know, it was like right after, we didn't know each other growing up, but it was right after high school, college age, I started hearing your name out and about uh, as a performing artist before I realized that, you know, we had a lot of the same friends and probably grew up with a lot of the same people, but I heard about you, not from friends, but I heard about you from, you know, seeing you open for Warren Haynes or uh seeing you play Sundown in the City or wherever out and about with a lot of other acoustic bands that were playing at the time I'm trying to think of of some but I feel like there was this like Keller Williams vibe to what you had going on and that kind of thing was really popular when you started in your early 20s playing out and about I guess Yeah
2: yeah man I yeah and I love Keller Williams I've seen that guy play a, a million times Um yeah and that show that you're talking about the Sundown in the City show that was uh back in 2006 that was an incredible show that was just an incredible show uh but yeah i think uh when i when i first was coming out on the scene i was kind of doing the the keller williams kind of vibe you know looping and um you know the one-man band is is kind of easier to do the one-man band in some sense than form a relationship with four other adults that all have their own other things going on you know Uh, i always like to look at like having a band as being um, in a relationship with you know you're in a like almost a marriage with these other people and you had to align um, all the work schedules and all the life schedules to make everybody uh, be able to just meet for a practice it's, it's a lot of work like yeah. kudos to any band that's that goes out there and makes it work but um starting out, you know, I did do the the one man band thing and it was it was a ton of fun. Like I always looked up to Keller, I always thought it was really fascinating just to see how you know you could create drum beats with your mouth and, you know, do the the rhythm guitar and then the lead guitar part and just kind of like make something out of nothing. Really
0: um all comes from inside you. It all comes from inside.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the cool thing is, is nobody knows what it's supposed to sound like except for you. And sometimes and sometimes I wouldn't even really know what something was supposed to sound like. It would just become very organic on stage. Um, and it was really cool because there's really no rules when you're performing as a one-man band. There's nobody there to say, oh, you missed that key or you missed that, that beat or that drop, you know. Uh, so it's really cool. I thought it was it was really fun for me. I still do, um, the one man band stuff. But I, I think you know since then I've I've had a lot of different a lot of different groups, a lot of different projects and stuff. You know, but uh, looking back at the one man band thing, I I think those were some of the coolest years of my my life really. And I still I still love doing that. The looping stuff is great.
0: So how did do- I've always seen you as a, a very outgoing person, a person that's very easy to talk to, likes being around people, gets energized by being around other people. What's it like to to not be playing off other people and just getting inside of yourself to write music, create music, and then make the music all by yourself um, to a person that is seemingly so extroverted?
2: Um, I think, uh, like for me... And we're just talking. We're talking about like on a, on a stage performing for others, right? Or, or
0: no, even creating the, the just stuff. Just creating. Yeah.
2: To me, I I just uh, I don't know. I I think honestly, my thought process is if I can, um, I try to find something that that makes me kind of want to stomp my feet a little bit, and I feel like if I can create some kind of energy. Uh, in a way that's making me kind of vibe there's got to be somebody else that's going to vibe too so i I kind of like my goal and my mission is to be able to create music where i can look out and see people having a good time too Mm -hmm. i want to create a good time for other folks
0: is that what you're thinking about when you're creating it are you creating it for the show for the presentation
2: i I think so yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i'm creating it there's an ultimate there's a there's a goal in mind right the goal is to create a good time every time um so it's it's basically uh i want people to feel it doesn't always have to be energizing it sometimes it can just be happy happy doesn't have to be like walling out getting you know uh getting wild and um uh, hula hooping and, and doing jumping jacks and, hey, easy now i know i know hey well i'm sorry uh but you know like just just that positive vibe i just want something that's going to put a smile on your face something that doesn't really uh, the opposite of hate whatever that would be it's it's kind of my goal like the opposite of dark times the opposite of hate the opposite of uh of dividing i want to bring people together
0: uh and just you know just have a good time that's it When when did it start? When was your first? When was your first? You know, when did you first start writing music? I assume you grew up with a guitar in your hand.
2: I I didn't. You didn't? Uh, No, I didn't actually. So, um, I I think my first time writing music, I was sixteen. So I was sixteen and maybe younger, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. I was writing music. I didn't even own a guitar though, so I didn't even get a guitar until my eighteenth birthday. But there, there was something about it. I don't know. I I, I knew that I was going to be a singer songwriter before I ever had the opportunity to be one. Mm. So I was. I remember sitting in my room, and I had this journal, and I was just kind of writing these songs, and I could hear a melody in my head. I just didn't have any instruments to play that melody. Wow. So yeah, it was kind of one of those things, and and maybe uh, maybe I'm just cuckoo or something, or or I don't know because. I had no instruments. I just had my brain and I had a pen and the paper, and so I was writing these songs down. I remember um, somewhere around you know that that age of sixteen is when I, I got a djembe. I got a percu- I started playing percussion. So that was my first instrument of that I that I learned how to play. And so I was writing music, but then I I don't know somehow the the rhythm of the percussion kind of attracted me and and. Uh, Got a, I got a djembe. I remember sitting in my room for hours and hours trying to learn Burn One Down by Ben Harper, the intro to it. Boom, boom. Yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, yeah. Is that a djembe? Yeah, Is yeah. It? Uh-huh. And I remember just mastering that and feeling so cool. Uh, and from there, it just, I don't know. I started, I, I played percussion, but I was still writing these lyrics. But I realized it was really hard to play percussion and and figure out how to sing on top of that. So I, I think that's what led to the guitar. I needed some kind of melody. I needed a, I needed an instrument that could, you know, back up these lyrics. So that's why I eventually led on to the guitar.
0: It's uh, interesting that you had the the melodies and the music inside your head before you had the tools to create it.
2: Yeah, it, it, it really was, because I remember sitting... I, I didn't have any... I didn't really have any... Uh, any exposure to music or anything? I mean, I played French horn in sixth grade, but other than that, I, I really didn't have any musical background or anything. Um, never really grew up in a um, a musical household. I mean, my mom would, I think when I was real young, she played in a band and she would always sing and she would always like force, force me to do karaoke or something like that. She would always sing and I would listen to that and I would be really embarrassed about it. Um, but maybe that somewhat influenced me too i don't know i'm not really sure but yeah I, I had no uh no musical knowledge i just somehow uh there was just this drive inside of me and it just kind of uh, it just started bleeding onto paper and um once i picked up the guitar i remember spending just like hours i was just mesmerized by the sound of it i remember my thing my fingers were just bleeding I was playing so much like just hours and hours Um, but I had an end goal I didn't just pick up a guitar I I knew what I wanted to do I knew I wanted the right songs I knew I had these songs I need I need to figure out how to perform them on a guitar so I don't know for me it just uh, when I picked it up uh, it just seemed like it 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 just became a part of me and um, and here I am like we're talking 20 years later you know yeah um releasing my fourth album which is just mind-blowing for me i'm it's really i'm really excited to just be in this moment right now
0: so you grew up in knoxville
2: i moved here when i was six years old so yeah i say knoxville where i grew up i mean obviously i was in i was in kindergarten when i moved here Uh, where were you born born in atlanta georgia okay so i was born in atlanta georgia uh lived in south carolina for for a while and then when my parents split up um uh, my brother and I we moved to this side of the mountain, so we moved from uh, we lived in Charleston, South Carolina for a year, and then um, moved to Knoxville from there. Um, with with mom, with mom, gotcha. and uh, dad stayed on the other side of the mountain. And you know, I think a lot of one of the beauties of living in Knoxville is you do have the the mountains so close to us. I remember just growing up and. Loving that drive to South Carolina because you would get to pass through you know Asheville going through the mountains it's such a beautiful drive yes but I think that also inspires a lot of uh, I don't know just a lot of my a lot of my songs a lot of um, experiences and stuff just it's just a beautiful place that we live here I'm so happy that we moved to Knoxville this place is amazing you know
0: it uh, is and you know Atlanta is going to give you a different kind of inspiration to write your music, uh, a different place to to draw your inspiration from when writing your music. But your stuff, you can feel the, you can feel the area in it, you know, it's that you're not playing Appalachian folk music by any means, but you can Mm. still, you can still tell that there's, there's a little bit of that mountain vibe to it. A little bit of that twang. Yeah. Some mountain twang in there. Yeah. So, so you went to, where'd you go to, uh, where'd you go to elementary school?
2: So I went to Cedar Bluff, okay, so and over
0: on that side of that side of town.
2: Yeah, I went to Cedar Bluff, and then um, went to Carnes for like a year, and then I ended up going to West High School and graduating from there.
0: And uh, you said you have a brother.
2: Got a brother, yeah. He he ended up uh, living with my dad growing up. So oh. so he moved here, and then around like sixth grade, we kind of had a, a a split. You know, it's like you either live with your mom or you can live with your dad. And uh, he decided to live with my dad. I decided to stay with my mom here. Interesting. Yeah, it was really it was very interesting. It what's even weirder is is that even though we didn't uh, like, I guess, grow up. Our whole lives together in the same household, we have a lot of the same mannerisms. Like a lot of this, it's weird almost. Like, Nature uh, versus
0: nurture thing?
2: It's so weird. Yeah. Just like the the expressions when we are shocked by something, like we have to, it's so weird. Like, uh, and maybe that's just part of being biological brothers. I think it is. I don't know, man. Is he
0: older or younger? He's
2: younger. Okay. So he's an OBGYN in South wow. Carolina and super successful he's he's doing amazing he's got three beautiful kids and a beautiful wife and
0: so you guys yeah. that's interesting I, I don't know if i've ever heard of that family archetype man, of it, like one one kid stays with mom one kid stays with dad and they grow up hundreds of miles apart pretty much but yeah but they all you're, you guys are still you know friendly love oh, each other
2: we love each other man yeah. yeah yeah we're it like i said uh when we get together it is it's always a good time. We, uh, I don't know. It's it's like I feel like we have always grown up together, but it, it's not so much the the truth, though. Really, you yeah. Know? Um, but it's it's really great. Like so now, um, now when we hang out, you know, we're always doing like fun vacations together and, and stuff like that, and. uh we're going to be going skiing up in uh big sky montana. I don't know if you ever gone up there but oh, I I'm, have. I'm super pumped about that.
0: Yeah. When uh, are you going?
2: Uh we're going in February. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So we went in March a couple of years back and the snow was kind of um almost gone. A little bit. Yeah, there were people in like bathing suits skiing, which I thought was hilarious. Uh but yeah, like we're always having a good time. It it's weird and we're both uh so in love with food it's just kind of scary too when we get together cuz it's like an eating competition every really? meal so there there's like try it all? pounds and pounds of food are just <laughs> being destroyed um but that's that brother love man um it, it's really cool though it's 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 great like now he he's still living in Rock Hill South Carolina where he grew up and i'm still living in Knoxville where i grew up and um you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. Really. Rock
0: it, Hill, that's Charlotte, right?
2: It's right outside of Charlotte. Yeah. I guess yeah. it would kinda of be like
0: a suburb. A suburb but, of Charlotte. It yep. just barely dips into South Carolina right there.
2: Barely. Yep. You know where you're talking about. Yeah. A lot of people don't know where Rock Hill is, but uh yeah, man. It's it's cool. I like it. And, you know, um, I love driving there just cuz I get to drive through the mountains every time. It brings back it brings back great memories every Did time. Did you
0: guys see each other in the summers and things like that?
2: Yeah, yeah, we would see each other a good bit. I mean I think for the distance we were living apart, we were we'd we see close. each other a pretty good bit.
0: Yeah, cuz there weren't I mean cell, there weren't cell phones, right? Uh, uh, I mean, you guys didn't have cell phones were texting each other, keeping up. There was no social media. Mm-mm. Yeah. Landlines,
2: was, man. Landlines yeah. and uh Gosh, now that I'm looking back at it, I don't know how how did that work. Because now I'm like, my kids, they, they FaceTime their grandparents exactly. and stuff now. But how did that work out? I'm not sure, but it it worked out. It worked out great. Um, the funny and not so funny thing would be, though, is, you know, back in the day, there was no, like, there was MapQuest. If you wanted to, like, look up directions or whatnot. I remember, All that
0: did was get me more lost.
2: Well, I was going to say, like, there would be, like, so... Uh, growing up my mom and dad would meet in Asheville that would be like the halfway yeah, point yeah. to drop us off or pick us up you know yeah. so that's when I think of Asheville that, that's kind of like my, my hub you know yeah. like where I would go where my family would go and either drop me off or pick me up um but, you know, sometimes there would be traffic jams in the mountains or whatnot. And don't know some, if
0: somebody's going to show up. Sometimes it wouldn't work out. Yeah.
2: yeah basically, that's it. Yeah. So uh, there were a couple of times like that, you know, that but that was before, geez, that was like before the cell phone error and yeah. and all that. You had
0: to go find a pay phone and then call somebody who you both knew to tell them what was going on. Yeah.
2: Or just <laughs> drive back two hours and wait <laughs> by your landline and see if the other person kind of, picked up the clue and they drive back and <laughs> you're like six hours later Hey, uh, Oh, so I see you're at, you're at your house now. So, uh, here's what happened. Um, wow. we were, uh, we were trying to drive and there was a traffic jam. We just got tired of it. So we turned around.
0: Oh my um, gosh. That's amazing. Our, our kids will never, will, will never, you know, understand that that seems like a lifetime ago it seems like a a horse and buggy compared to a car now when you think about it it's
2: it's ridiculous
0: they (laughs) they have no
2: clue i mean my kids now they they want to watch bluey in the car yeah you know pop out the ipad and bam instant gratification they don't understand the struggle the real struggle (laughs) of having to draw your own mazes on a piece of paper and then complete your own maze to entertain yourself for hours it's it's uh it's beautiful and terrifying at the same time did you
0: ever get car sick on the trip over the mountain to Asheville? because that is a uh it's it's a winding drive
2: i loved it man you did i love car trips like i i am the designated driver any trip we go in my family i i don't know maybe i'm weird no um i just i love driving it's as long as i'm not getting a speeding ticket It's the most beautiful experience ever.
0: Have you gotten a lot of speeding tickets? I have. Yeah. Because you're driving all the time. I
2: I mean, now, statistically, I mean, yeah, the more you drive, (laughs) the higher your chances. It doesn't mean I'm a bad driver. Obviously, I got pulled over because I was breaking some rules, I guess. But, hey, rules are meant to be
0: broken and and... followed (laughs) sometimes. So, UT… Did that happen for you? Did you go to UT? Yes, from, yes. From West High School.
2: Yeah, I went to the University of Tennessee. When I when I first started out, I remember I was, um, you know, like I said, I I didn't pick up a guitar until I was eighteen. So I was I was in the honeymoon phase of this guitar. I was thinking mm. I'm going to get a uh, major and I'm going to major in music because uh, yeah. I was I was thinking you know this this is it. Um, and I remember the first semester, um went underway and I started realizing really quickly that majoring in music was like, it turns like a hobby and a passion almost into, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything like really bad. It was put it this way. It was too much like work. Yeah. (laughs) It was Uh, just too much work. I guess that's the easiest thing I could say.
0: If you want to take the fun out of something, turn it into work.
2: That's kind (laughs) of what it was for me Now, now, there are lots of people I know that are music majors and they are, they love every second of it. But for me, it was, it started kind of taking away the fun of it. Yeah. And um, I decided to not really go down that path. So I ended up majoring in mathematics, which I know we're talking about fun here. Yeah. Um, but I majored in mathematics. I, I minored in elementary education. Mm. So I, I think I always knew. Um, I knew music was something I really wanted to do. I also knew teaching was something I wanted to do. So I think uh, I basically I, – I thought, well, what am I really good at? I, I really like music. I don't think it's something I want to be like expertly trained in. I want to just kind of do it for the fun of it. But I am really good at math. So I, I pursued the mathematics side mm. of everything, which, which uh, was pretty – wild too i mean there's a lot of math
0: out there did you i love math by the way my my daughter is learning my six-year-old right now is learning math in first grade and she's like i'm not very good at it i'm like oh it's the best it all makes sense it just makes sense he gets the statistics but but yeah uh did you ever use did you ever use uh mathematics to Write any kinds of songs like I'm thinking. Didn't didn't Tool use like the Fibonacci sequence to to as like a rhythm section for a song or something like that?
2: You know, I, I think that math really played the big role in music. When you're thinking of like just rhythm, and then you're thinking time like signature patterns, time signatures. You're thinking of uh, there was so so my third album was called Hyperbolic Length, yeah, which was actually based off of a in Euclidean geometry class that I took at UT.
0: Oh, what geometry class?
2: Eclodian geometry. Yeah, What's I know. What's that? Um, I could tell you I failed that class. <laughs> so that's what the song's about. Uh, Mr. Brodowski, he was my professor and, um, Your you know, muse. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, I, I, I gave him my best effort and sometimes your best is just not good enough so,
0: hyperbolic length hyperbolic length so you man. did use so you did let so, the mathematics bleed into your music a little i bit. did
2: and yeah. you know what's funny i when i released that that was just the album that i released back in 2012 and i remember i was selling cds in uh in china like on the other side of the world and i think people were just buying this album because it was called hyperbolic length maybe they thought it was like a a math album i don't know what they thought (laughs) i i'm not really sure or maybe they just really liked music i mean i'm gonna pretend they really liked music but
0: but um, maybe they just really liked math
2: (laughs) but i think that people that really like math were googling hyperbolic length and it's a very specific type of person that does that you have to like like you've never heard of that have you
0: no just from your album
2: there you go i mean so it's like you have to be like an engineer or somebody that's doing math like math to a the high degree. Uh,
0: so you, so you, so you were big in China in 2012. Man, yeah, you were so hey. you're shipping, shipping tons of CDs to China, shipping
2: CDs to China and all around the other side of the globe, and it's all I think all had to do with the math. It's all about the math, man.
0: <laughs> so um, I, I uh, when you and I were talking about about doing this podcast because this has been a long time coming we've talked about this for a while now and you said well i want to wait for my next album to come out and then you know i'd see you we'd talk about it you know coming up can't wait for the album release and then uh and then you asked me you were like man the last time i put an album out i pressed a bunch of cds like I don't even think I'm going to do that this time. Do I do? Do people do you listen to CDs? Does anybody listen to CDs anymore? It's like it's almost an, an era. Uh, you know, it's almost a generation of music has passed. Yeah, since.
2: it it is. I'm not going to lie. I actually I did press some CDs. Good. I did. I just couldn't. I could not not press CDs. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. A lot of these – so I travel a lot with my job I'm in now, and when I get these rental cars, they don't even have a CD player. No. Now, my car has a CD player, yeah. but it's a 2010.
0: Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I mean, you're talking like in just – I don't even think it's been in the last decade this has changed. I, I feel like it's been just in the last couple of years, but maybe – I don't know. But anyways, CDs now are the dinosaur f- fossils – that you'll discover one day
0: you know how vinyls had such a resurgence i bet we'll be doing the same thing with cd's in 10 years you know i mean i hope so i i think um it was a cool format it just sucked that they scratched that well that's the, the problem. thing
2: that's the thing and it's kind of like you know like cassettes you know yeah. i don't th- i know i feel like cassettes were kind of making a small comeback for a tiny minute second yeah. i heard some people like doing cassettes but it's it's the same kind of thing though cassettes they get all messed up
0: It's linear. So you can, you have to rewind all the way to where you want to hear and rewind, play, rewind, play to get like to the beginning of a song. That's what was great about CDs is it was marked at the beginning and then, uh, you know, but they scratched. And so there were some, you know, uh, there were some issues with, with that. The best medium I think was the mini disc. The mini disc. You're talking about the mini, mini disc. Yeah. Yeah, man. The, 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 they were like little hard casings that were small. They were about, I don't know, an eighth of an inch thick. And they were in, they were a, like a miniature CD that was in a plastic, square plastic case. Yeah, man. It was like, you know, four of them stacked up on top of each other would be about the thickness of a deck of cards. Those were awesome, and they never took off.
2: Well, for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe people just started...
0: I think it's cuz CDs were convenient. CDs were uh you remember the visor things? You put the the little yeah. sleeve in your visor and you had all your CDs or or you know, if if you wanted to do the poor man's version, you just took one of the spindles from the CD burners.
2: Oh yeah. You remember that, those oh, where you
0: buy a, a stack of 15 that. CDs that you're that you're burning and and then you just stack all your CDs up on that thing and ride around with it in your car? Next yeah. to your Mountain Dew cans?
2: Um, in my attic, I still have – I have, like, three giant books of CDs, like the magazines or whatever you call it, the CD sleeves. Oh, yeah. You know, the- with the four in each page. And then yeah. you got the front and the back. They hold, like, 50. You know. Yeah. Remember driving on, like, long road trips and you would just flip through it like you're flipping through a book? Yeah. And then just – you hear that crumble, the crunch of the sound, and you get to pull out your C D and pop it in. Man, it was like it was like opening up a crispy cold LaCroix on a beautiful Wednesday morning. <laughs> exactly Cold Wednesday morning.
0: Man, I uh went uh I was up on the Watauga River like probably a year ago, uh, with this fishing guide, shout out Brown Hobson, total total uh great dude on the watauga great fishing guide. Uh we got in his, um, in his Toyota four runner to, to drive back to where we had started, get everybody's cars. It was at the end of the day and we sit down I got in his front seat and he just hands me a CD book from, you know, whatever. And I, and I, and I open it and it's like, it's frozen in time. It was like Bonnaroo 2006, you know, uh, burned CD with the, with the Sharpie marker on it and then oh, you turn it yeah. over and it's like panic in the streets, you know, it's a bunch of jam band stuff, but it was all like, you know, it was all, it felt like a, a, a total relic that I miss. And he was like, pick one out, man, And picked out like a, You're you like, know, what? Bonnaroo shuffle or something like that. I think nowadays
2: people don't like being, it's like, uh, we don't like being tied down to things and a CD, as free as it makes you feel, it does kind of tie you down to those songs that are just on that CD. And I think that's where we kind of like lost the idea of the CD, other than the fact that it does scratch too. But um, I don't know. I I really – I still enjoy my CDs. I enjoy buying CDs, but I may be biased because my car has a six-disc changer. Ooh, is it yeah. in the trunk? Um, or you no, lo- load it them changes all them the front? up front. Oh man! Uh, yeah, it's high tech. Can't uh, hide money, dude. No, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't, man. It's just I've, I've got buttons one through six. I press whichever button I want, man, and
0: it's game on. So the thing with streaming, like I, I, I think it's amazing that Taylor Swift's album got what locked down the top ten spots on the Billboard chart when it came out two weeks ago. Like
2: I think all of her didn't like all of her songs or something. That's what I mean. Oh, the, yeah.
0: the 10 songs on the album were one through 10 on the bill on the billboard charts yeah. for most popular song. And it's like, that's crazy. First off, yep. would that happen with a CD? Would that happen where in the world of singles where people are putting out a single three months before, like she dropped this all at once. And it, um, it just, it surprised me. I'm like, I, I can't believe that people have the, um, patience in today's day and age to even listen to a whole album. I figured they would just listen to it once be like, okay, I like this song and that's the one I'm going to, I'm going to listen to. Yeah. You don't have a captive audience anymore. Like you did with the, with the album CD, you know, age, you know how far I am from my kid's school, 10 minutes away. We listened to three different songs from three different, you know, three different places this morning, you know, just back to back to back. And it's like, That's the, that's a a much different practice of listening to music than when we were growing up. And I feel like what was intended when they made albums and started to, uh, you know, present things in this, in this package as, you know, a concept or something that's a, that's a whole story put out together. It's almost like now it's just little snackable content pieces that we just pull our favorite and cherry pick it. And put it all together, but I, I think that's what I enjoyed about listening to Sunny Day is that it harkened back to to the days of of a CD, and you clearly put like this full concept together. It sounds very, you know, it sounds cohesive, and it feels like it's meant to be taken in as a whole piece rather than one smash hit single that you know goes yeah. crazy.
2: I, I I would like that. I would like for it to be like that, you know, and I I think that every artist, hopefully they, they're they trying to do that with every album, but you're absolutely right. Like uh, when people are listening to albums, they'll, they'll pick, they hear a song they like, add to their playlist, uh, add to their I'm driving my kids to school playlist, add to a, I'm on a boat playlist, or, you yep. know, add to their specific playlist, and then that's kind of, that's uh, the, the song that sticks out from that artist, you know, or, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I've really... I love that. I, I love, uh, I think, listening to an album and listening to more than one song from the artist and listening to how, like, there's a the reason songs are in a certain order in the album, too. It's not like uh, we just said, uh, we just picked a name out of the hat and said, that's the first song on the album. This is the second one. Like I would, I would assume, because this is how I do it. Each song, like song number one, is there for a reason because that's the song that spoke to me first, and then I want it to go into a a, a sequence, a logical sequence that makes sense for mm. me as the composer, but also for uh, me as the listener too. Mm. So yeah, hopefully when when you're listening to the album Sunny Day, that's how people feel too. It's got eleven songs on it. Um, you know, it's a really it's a really uh, it's 30 it's like 38 minutes long from front to back
0: yeah that's not that long right it's not
2: long no and i did that on purpose too i did that absolutely on purpose i i'm i shortened my songs not on i mean i didn't like shorten them but i i what i did is i tried to put more in less time just mm. because of our attention span nowadays right i was trying to create this album where i feel like 37 minutes honestly um, that's doable, I think, yeah. with our attention span. Yeah. <laughs> today, um, it could it could be even pushing the boundaries a little bit with our attention span. You know, but uh, that was kind of that was kind of my reasoning be- behind all that too. Like just the length of it, how many songs were on it. Um, I didn't need to put twenty four songs on a on a CD and make it, you know, an hour and a half long or anything like that. Right. People, that's just. Too, well. That's just too many songs <laughs> on an album. That's out. That's unheard of.
0: Yeah, you'd uh, have to. You'd have to do a double. Have to do a double. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. That we'll save. We'll save that for a little later on. Um,
0: <laughs> Greatest hits record.
2: But yeah, everything like uh, the the first song is Sunny Day, and then the very last song is Father's Love, which is more of a. It's like a lullaby song,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and I intentionally put that at the end too because I wanted the the fill of the CD to be um, kind of like winding down a little bit so sunny day is like the sun is rising and then the end is like father's love lullaby going to bed so it's like the start of a day to the end of the day so that's my that was my intention on the album and the flow of the songs Mm.
0: who did the album artwork i I looked at all your album artwork today and it's all really good and it all has the same uh just kind of same uh hippie adjacent vibes yeah uh, they're super uh inviting and happy
2: my wife did my art my artwork for this album
0: is she a designer
2: she she is she's wow. widely she is so amazing and talented um she's an artist and when i was uh this this c d you know we talked about how it's been ten years since i've produced a, an album mm-hmm. well in the past ten years my life has changed for for the better like you know like i said i got married i've had children when you listen to this music this music is speaking to um those folks who have have kind of um taken on those those opportunities also like it's speaking like it's showing it's displaying it's not displaying your your hippie um pot smoking guy that was in 2006 singing songs versus now it's like your family man kind of you know um it's just a different it's a different outlook so when i was thinking about the album artwork since the songs are so much about my personal life and they're very intimate and they are singing about um my wife singing about my kids thinking about you know just things that we're encountering every day of the family i wanted her to be involved in on Mm -hmm. the the album um she and she had the natural gift. So like it was very easy for me to have her uh, create the artwork for it. She did a wonderful job. I gave her some ideas. Um, and when I say some, really just like a couple. She kind of just she went off and did her own thing. So I'm really blessed to have her on my side. Um,
0: I think uh, the first time I met her was, I don't know if you remember this, it was in Denver. It was. We ran into each other uh at it was at the it was at a uh it was
2: at a Vols football game um it was like a bar that catered yeah. to Vols fans
0: yeah it, it was a I Tennessee it's called. It, yeah it was a Tennessee Vols bar in Denver and you and I were both there we just ran into each other no yeah uh, didn't plan it you uh, were like
2: traveling in a in a van or something yeah we were
0: you? yeah we had uh driven out there for some for New Year's for New Year's concert. And then we ended up staying for a few extra days and we went to a concert on like January 2nd or 3rd or something at Mission Ballroom. And then I think we were about to head home uh, that day, maybe even, and went to the Vols bar to watch uh, the Vols play in, a, in some kind of bowl game.
2: It was like 10 a.m. and there were yeah. like 150 orange balls fans balls fans in the middle of denver turning it up yeah it was it was wild i was like ben what's up man <laughs> like you i when i moved to denver you know i i ran into a couple people like one or two people that i knew out in denver when i moved out there but you don't expect to see people you know from knoxville that that was really that was really funny i remember seeing you out there and i was like it was like 10 in the morning we're You know, trying to hang with Eastern time, so you know it's it's noon here. Everybody's like hours into their tailgate, and we're just trying to wake up, wake up and (laughs) hang. You know, so bloody marys, mimosas, and and football at ten a.m. That was that was a fun bar to go to. Yeah, um, yeah, that was pretty cool. That was that was fun.
0: You said you were out there four years. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I was out there four years. So, what what took you to Denver? Oh man, Um,
0: wanderlust.
2: Yeah, I just. So it's one of those things where I think when you when you live in a place your whole life, you know, like I said, I moved here when I was six. I had never I never moved away for college. I never moved away to see what else was out there. Um, And I think I had just that itch to kind of see what was what I was missing. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And um, I remember at the time. When I was leaving Knoxville i was i was pretty I don't know what it was. I don't know if this was a coping mechanism or what, but I remember I was pretty bitter about Knoxville, I was like, man, I'm getting out of here yeah uh, there's there's so much to see yeah um, and so I remember Denver was an easy place to pick. There's actually a really beautiful story to it, but uh but basically, we went to Denver, and then when we got to Denver, we realized Knoxville was freaking awesome yeah you know it's kind of like one of those things where you move away and you realize what you what you had yeah and i a lot of my friends that move away they always end up right back here in knoxville it's it's i don't know i did it it's a i I, everybody i know that moves away other than maybe one or two actually no everybody i know that has moved away has come back to knoxville lee moffitt okay no no, she's still she's still chilling up in california yeah okay so yeah she needs to come back come back lee yeah she's come she's doing great but other than that, uh, pretty much everybody comes back, be- and there's a reason for that. It's so green, it's so lush here, it's so beautiful. We've got the Tennessee River, we've got the we've got mountains here. But uh, the reason that even Denver became a thing is because when my wife and I first started dating, this was kind of crazy looking back at it but i remember I, I, we first started dating and i said hey i'm gonna go on a cross-country road trip i've never really i mean i've been outside of knoxville but i want to see what's out there and she was just kind of like volunteered herself because she had a hybrid car so i was like oh oh that'll be cheaper That would be cheaper. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'll go on this trip with this lady that I just started dating a month ago. Um, What could go wrong? (laughs) What could go wrong? Either we're going to hate each other or love each other. That Uh, was actually – we joked about that. We were like –
0: This started – the Gabby Petito story started the same way. Not to bring it down. Yeah. Well,
2: we were like, okay, we're either going to love each other or hate each other. We'll see how this goes. And I remember we went and we encountered some some just wild stories on this trip. But basically, we ended up in – on this trip there were two cities that really stuck, stood out. One was San Francisco. We had a beautiful time in San Francisco. But then um I mean we went through we went everywhere, but San Francisco was really cool and then when we were coming back we stopped in Denver and that was like I think Denver was there was something magical about the city and like we kind of like fell in love on that Denver stop. With each, with each other? With each other.
0: Dude, same thing happened with me and Sarah in Denver. Really? Yeah, Red Rocks. Really? We took a road trip to Red Rocks. And there's some it's a vortex, man. It's the Mile High City. It is. I we were high on love, man. Yeah, that's it, dude. Uh so
2: so like I remember we when we came back and I was like, I love you. And we were like, you know, we loved each other and we we beat all odds, you know. Everybody yeah. said we couldn't do it, and we showed them and so then, you know, fast forward like a month or two, I'm like, you know what? Let's move. Let's move somewhere. Let's either go to San Francisco or Denver. And so uh, basically we were like, okay, if we go to San Francisco, we can get a 10 by 10 apartment or we can go to Denver and get a 20 by 20 apartment. And so that kind of <laughs> that was kind of the, the the breaking point there. So we were like, okay, let's go to Denver. We can do some skiing. We can enjoy the Red Rocks. We can enjoy all this stuff. Start a new life, and and that was it. We moved there. We were both public school teachers. I moved there. I didn't even have a job or anything. I mean, it was just kind of like it was like the freest point I'd ever. It was. I was so free. Yeah. And so like, it was just so cool. And uh, you know, and now we're married, and and it just it created the whole beautiful love story between me and Allison and, and like, I'm so fortunate for it, but we're back here in Knoxville cause we love Knoxville, but I would never take back those years in
0: Denver. Yeah. Did you guys get married out there or here?
2: We got married in um, a city called counts, Tennessee. Her, her father owns a, a cabin. He's a, he's a big time fisherman and um, there's a lake called uh Pickwick Lake. Yeah. And it's in, in counts, Tennessee. And, yeah. There you go. So, We got married in the backyard here in Tennessee and and drove back to Denver. Nice. Yeah. So, um,
0: Did they pay public school teachers better in Denver than they do in Tennessee? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they
2: did. So uh, when I was there, uh, Allison was the art teacher. She was an art teacher here in Knoxville. That's how we met. Um, And then we moved to uh, Denver. I was teaching first grade, and she was teaching art out there. and, And it was a lot more, like a lot. A yeah. lot more. Wow. Um now the cost of living was a lot more. Sure. But it was it was really it was an eye opener, to be honest with you. Coming from Knox County schools and, you know, just scraping by. I remember when I first started teaching here. Um so I went from being a server at Texas Roadhouse to being a kindergarten teacher and I was making more money as a server at Texas Roadhouse right. than having a master's degree. And teaching. America's youth. America's youth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was just, I remember like waking up Saturday mornings and doing flashcards and getting my lesson plans ready, you know, and and waking up at 5 a.m. Monday through Friday and, and being the last one to leave my school. And I was putting all these crazy hours in and I was making less money than when I worked at Texas Roadhouse. I would literally...
0: Work for four hours a day. Work for four hour <laughs> shift,
2: and go get drunk after every shift. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I was like, wow. Um, but you know, I, I there was an end goal inside. I, I knew I wanted to. Uh, I I knew I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to inspire children, and you know, and make the world a better place, and all that fun stuff. But it was pretty wild, though, to see how low the pay was here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they've done a little bit of a better job, but it's still not quite where. It, It needs to be,
0: yeah, we got to do better. Everybody needs to do better with that. I mean, you can't find people to teach kids. It's a thankless job. It's hard and it's, but it's so important. I mean, my kids are with their teacher more than they're with me every day.
2: Absolutely. Isn't that that scary? Yes, it is.
0: And so those people need to be, first off, mm well-trained and to get well-trained, it costs money. And then they need to be well compensated after that because they're doing such an important job that has the that has real huge uh, implications on the future of society.
2: Yep, absolutely, man. I you know I spent I spent thirteen years in the classroom and I would never take back any of those years ever. I mean, being a teacher was such a blessing for me. I do look back at it though, and I one of my biggest regrets is something that's out of my control it's just to pay it's, yeah. it's to pay because it is a job like just like anything else it is a job like you become a teacher not for the money but just because of that doesn't mean you shouldn't make money right like you know yeah um but you know these kids would be with me all day long um i was the only shoot usually i was the only male teacher in my school you know so it, it I'm the only male role model figure, which is kind of scary and cool at the same time uh, for these children. Um, And, you know, we, you develop these relationships with these kids where, where they look at you like a father figure, you know, and and like you have so much power and, you know, it's so like humbling and so amazing. Uh, It would just be nice to see like that also be transferred in the, form of a in payment like yeah <laughs> I, I remember uh i remember like so i would i knew basically as a teacher how much money i would make if i st- stood if i stuck with it i knew that after 20 25 years i would cap out at like sixty thousand or something mm-hmm. you know and that's that's not that's not really when you're thinking about like you're watching your friends, like I'm watching my friends get these, they're getting rental homes. They're getting, they're buying homes. They're, they're doing these trips and stuff. And I would kind of see myself like I was always just kind of making ends meet, you know? And, um, I think that's what eventually led for me to get out of education. Mm. Unfortunately, uh, I just, I had two kids of my own. So, you know, I'd, I'd invested 13 years into the, the public and raising other people's children and trying to make the world a better place. And now I've got my own two kids and I had to kind of focus on them a little bit. Right. Um, but it's, it's just like, I would like to really see teachers making six figures. Honestly, a hundred thousand is what a teacher should make. I'll pay more
0: taxes if that's what it takes. I would pay more
2: taxes. Yeah. But there's no (laughs) reason why a teacher should not be making like a hundred thousand, uh, It's such an important job and you get what you put into it.
0: Absolutely. It's just, I I look at it the same way I look at like, uh, you know, police officers, teachers and police officers are two of the most uh, important public servants that we have. And we pay them nothing and whine about it when we get what we pay for.
2: Oh yeah. And that's a whole nother issue too. Like, uh, Police officers, why why are they not making six figures too? Why yeah. why, why are the, you know why are we putting so much weight on these people? They have so much weight on their shoulders, and yet they exactly they're just trying to make ends meet. And then we're we're shocked when yeah
0: people, when you're not getting the best candidate for the you know yeah. when you don't get the yeah. best candidate for yeah. that job. Absolutely,
2: yeah. Um, and a pat on the back is not enough. A pat on the back is not right. Uh, that is not going to support your family. Yeah.
0: And um Mayor King Cannon was here, sat in that chair and, and I one of the first things that she talked about was, you know, she was very excited to implement a six percent pay raise for for KPD and Knoxville Fire Department too. Oh and wow. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. Six percent's great. Like keep that up. Do that every single year. Give them a six percent raise. At least. That, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
2: Six percent. I mean look at how much the housing the housing yeah. markets going up though. It's like 6% is still like, that's that's great. That's better than nothing.
0: Well, now 6% hasn't kept up with inflation the last, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like more like
2: 10%. Yeah. Like, make it so that people are able to keep up with the times and put a little bit of money in their pockets too. Yeah. And, you know, go on a vacation, yeah. afford a vacation, afford yeah. a, a car that can get you to and from work or, yeah. you know, uh, there's so many things like so many things like that, uh, our our public servants just uh we really just need to do better. We need mm-hmm. to do better with that.
0: And uh, and you went above and beyond when you were a teacher too. I remember seeing photos and hearing stories and write ups in the paper and all kinds of stuff. I mean, you were the bow tie wearing, guitar playing, cool teacher, you know?
2: You I were, was a Jack Black
1: <laughs> you
0: school were, of rock. You were
2: you were the music man. I was, I was the music man, yeah. Um Man, yeah, I was the dean of fun. That was that was me. I was the dean of fun. And my whole mission was uh, to have kids like pounding my door down in the morning, just begging to get into into the classroom. Yeah, like basically fighting their parents if they were going to be late, you know, like wanting to come to school so bad. It's Monday morning, and they are, like, dressed before their parents and being like, Mom, Dad, let's freaking go. It's time for school. Like, that was that was kind of, like, my mission. Um, but we would do all kinds of cool stuff uh, in the classroom. Like, I, I will always – I will never forget any of those – any of my years in the classroom. Hopefully, I'll be able to figure out a way to contribute back to the, the classroom right. one day. I'm still trying to figure that part out. But, I mean, we would have – disco parties before school. We would have, you know, all these parties were just just like basically we were just trying to um just encourage positive behavior and that was it. Like, you know, like sure you got people misbehaving, but like let's not highlight that. Let's not bring attention to that. Let's let's point out people that are doing good in the world, good in the classroom, and let's let's have fun together. Like let's just build memories and uh, there's already so many things like when these kids leave school or whatnot, we don't know what's going on. So I know that I can control these eight hours a day and that was kind of what I did. So I would just try to control the eight hours a day that I had these children and just create the most fun experience ever. And man, it was great. It was awesome. Being the Dean of Fun was, was, a the highlight of my, my career. That's uh, awesome. You know what? It, it does come with, I, I think, uh, unfortunately i will say this it is awesome unfortunately there's a lot of adults who forget to have fun and Mm. they they almost associate fun with being like a pushover so and i say this because um you know for some reason like the older we grow the the more and more we forget what it's like to have fun i'm not saying me and you me and you are very fun people but i i think the older people get um the the easier it is for them to like get kind of sucked up into the bills and the in the real world and stuff, and they kind of forget to like be a child sometimes and like just you know cut loose so like being that fun teacher also came with its own setbacks like you know you saw the newspaper articles you saw the you saw the uh the the t v interviews where everybody's praising it, and they're saying, oh, it's wonderful." But at the same time, you know, there's also people that are kinda like, Oh, that guy, he's just having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, he, he can't like, be taking his job seriously. He's not
2: taking his job seriously. Yeah. And
0: and that He needs to be miserable like the rest of us.
2: Pretty much, like the evil villain in a cartoon or something, you know. So so there's a lot of people like that out there and and you know what? The thing is though, you just gotta shine so bright that they they just are I don't know that they see the light and hopefully they they piggyback off of your methods and um, and their darkness does not pull you down because sure there's a lot of there's a lot of that and I think it it stems from honestly it stems from the pressure that uh, going back to public schools they have these assessments they have to give kids Uh, and you know if you're graded as a teacher based off these assessments well okay sure Uh, you are graded off that but you can't let that like Control you, and you can't like let that. You you can't use that as a punishment. Um, and I think people get so caught up in that, and people become teachers. They want to be the best teacher. I've never met a single teacher that did not want to be the best teacher. That's you know, awesome. like that's why people are teachers. That's why people choose that profession. They want to be the best. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're a teacher, you're doing your best job ever. But I think people get kind of wrapped up in that sometimes in the assessment side of things, and they they kind of <laughs> lose focus on. Um, the fact that we are teaching children,
0: right? So yeah, they get too tied up in the performance metrics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of let that blind them a little bit. There's so much more to life than a performance metric. There's so
2: much more that you, you know, and, um, that's just what, that was my mantra. That was just kind of how I tried to live. I would just go in and say, Hey, we're going to have a lot of fun. I'm a really good educator. So I know what they need to learn, but also know how to have fun too. So, uh, let's do both. Question. Mark. Yeah.
0: And let's get the learning. Uh, let's get the learning part happening while we have while we have the fun part happening, too. It can be done. If you have kids,
2: put it this way. If you have kids that are so excited to be there, they're going to listen to whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> if you like if kids are having a good time, it's when you are being when you are boring and when you are being robotic is when behavior issues start happening and right. you, you, know, you start zoning people out. Just like in our adult lives. When you're around somebody that just doesn't quite get it and they're um It's like idle hands. Yeah, you yeah. Know. What do you do? You you start drifting off. Yeah. So you gotta stay engaged. You gotta stay engaging.
0: You wanna play a couple songs? Play us out? Man, I'd love to.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll play uh I'll play... You up.
0: I can set you up. I'll put both microphones over and you can Sing into one and play into the other one. How's that Well,
2: sound? Well, shucks. Let's do that then. Okay. This song is called Rainbow.
1: Well, I've been a-walking What do I see? There's a million people under this rainbow. Well, nobody knows it but me. People stop at a rainbow, they try to capture it all. now, and pretend like this was not a dream after all. Well, I've been walking right over a rainbow, looking down, what do I see? There's a million people under this rainbow, well, nobody knows it for me. Happened to the good old days Tell me what will happen When I lose my way This empty nest Is driving me mad Will take me back To the good times I had What do I see There's a million people Under this rainbow Well, nobody knows it for me Well, nobody knows it for me Well, nobody knows it it. But
2: Yeah.
0: Rainbow. Yes,
2: man. Cool. That was awesome.
0: Mac, thank you so much, dude. That was great.
2: Hey, man. Thank
0: you for having me out here. This is awesome. Of course. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it. Take care, buddy. All right. Thanks, man.